Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel finding dodo birds and mm. leaky black. The Ion College Basketball Podcast is presented by Jersey Mike's. Jersey Mike's, a sub above. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you watch it on YouTube, smash the like button like your Brandon Davis. You, you have consent. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Also do that while you're here. Okay, let's get into it. Some Big ACC news this morning. The Cavender Twins have announced they're not returning no. <laughs> to Miami. The Legends are retiring from basketball. Your thoughts, dead leg. Back-to-back podcasts on offseason? What is what going we, on? Wow. What are, we, what are we doing? What are we doing? Well, you know what? We're going to get right into that. Cavender Twins, damn you. Um, no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm taking a little mini vacay with the fam later this week. So we always planned, or at least I always planned, for a coaching carousel one. And then Kyle Filipowski went out and did what he did. I did see the Cavender news earlier. I have no thoughts. I'm returning serve right back to you. Um, your thoughts on the Cavender Twins. I don't know if they're retiring. I think they're just leaving Miami. Are they done with college basketball? They could play basketball again conceivably. I don't know if they're, they're, if they're hanging up their jerseys for good. I re- what I read is that they are retiring from basketball. Okay. You seem eager for this development. They're always up to something, those Cavender twins. Mm. You know? Yeah. They're always doing something. That's the big ACC decision news on this Tuesday. That's for sure. In all seriousness, I read that um, they already have an NIL deal with WWE. They might Get out of here. They might go into wrestling. Be the next Bella Twins. Don't know who those are, but I will say I did learn at the Final Four. Paris is now a huge W dude. He's he's wrestling dude now, uh, so they're pivoting right into your lane. Congrats! They're gonna be. Hey, in my hey life watch for, mouth. watch your mouth, Norlander. They're gonna oh, be in my life. I'm outnumbered. They're gonna be in my life forever. The Cavender Twins. Those gals are always up to something. Perhaps they'll they'll replace Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez as your WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. Don't know who those people are, but I'm happy for you. I'm happy yeah. for both of you. Okay. I got nothing. I got nothing against. I just wrestling is in my bag. That's all. I got nothing against folks that like wrestling, but yeah, I, I no. grew up watching it. 
and then got out of it in my adult life, and my little guy started watching it, and I have I have become genuinely interested. He in threw life. a wrestling watch party at the Final Four. He didn't want That's to true. socialize with me or anyone. He just stayed in his room and watched. Was it WrestleMania? Was that the one? Yeah, WrestleMania on Sunday night. We had we had a little party in my hotel. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. More power to you. All right. There was also some other big ACC news on the will he go or will he stay front Tuesday morning. Duke Big, Cal Filipowski, announced that uh, he will return to college for a sophomore season despite being projected as a possible lottery pick in the 2023 NBA draft. Huge development for John Shire. Filipowski averaged a team-high 15.1 points, team-high 8.9 rebounds, 29.2 minutes per game this past season. He was the best freshman in the country, not named Brandon Miller. Now he'll presumably uh, be the best sophomore in the country for a program that will now return the top four scores from a team that went 10 and one in its final 11 games while winning the ACC tournament. Duke is also enrolling a recruiting class that uh, is currently ranked second nationally, although it should be noted the highest ranked player in that class as of last night. Mackenzie Mbako, uh, he's ranked seventh in the class of 2023, has asked for a release from his I letter. I wonder why that is. <laughs> from his letter of These intent. things seem connected. Come he on, said, I'm not dude. going to sit on the bench behind this goofy dude coming back to school. Get out of my way or I'm going somewhere else. Let's so go the on. class is still good. I believe still four five-star prospects in it. My question for you, because I've got to update the top 25 and one again later yeah, today. Okay. How high should Duke be in the top 25 and one? Come on, Duke. Uh, all right. I'm seeing I'm seeing some Duke should be preseason number one. Can we just slow? Can we slow? It's April 11th. Can we slow down? Now, I understand the nature of this stuff now in the offseason. These rankings, first of all, Paris is set in the bar. Okay. It, folks used to be doing it every few weeks. Now it's it's every damn day. Okay. Paris, you're about to, is it 4.0 already? We're about to be at 4.0. Somebody asked a, 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 a reasonable question on Twitter yesterday. Like, if I never do a 1.7 or a 2.4 right. or a 3.5, yeah. why am I doing point zeros to begin with? Correct. And you know what? I've said this before, so I should revisit it. Most of the replies I get to rankings on Twitter are nonsensical. They come from um, not-so-smart people. But that's a totally yeah. reasonable question this person asked. Totally reasonable. I, I, that, it's that's reasonable, one. but I checked your top 25 and one, man. That's I can see you're in defense mode. This ranking is based upon every single capsule. Is. No, no, that, it, that's, it's actually not defense mode. Okay. What it is is re- the, the tool we use yes. doesn't allow me to have roster projections in that tool. You have okay. to write sentences. And so what I'm trying to do with each – and by the way, this is a whole nother problem. Um, Why did what I, I even bring this up? What I'm trying to do with each team's uh, sentences is explain who I believe is coming back and who I believe is not coming back. The problem is most people click on that link on their mobile device – and on your mobile device, when you click on that link, those sentences don't show up unless okay. you click on the specific team to make them show up. You're so done. a lot of my and these are reasonable questions, too, because people click on it. They don't see it. They just see. Um, that. Yeah, they, they, it's a it's I don't want to say it's a problem, but it's an yes, issue for do. me. That's exactly what you want to say. It, it is an issue because people click on it. And they go, well, who is it? Does this mean Zach Eady's coming back? And if you click on Purdue, <laughs> I write that. Yes, this is based on the idea of Zach Eady coming back. But most people don't know to click on that. 
It's a I'm struggle, checking. man. Life is full of I'm challenges. I'm checking right now. I'm checking right now. I'm 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 checking this right now as we as we speak. Where well, can I even get I'm, I'm on the mobile. Where's the top 20? So you say I go to the rankings. I'm going to the rankings right now. If you click on my link, yeah. the link that I tweeted. Yeah, it's or, not here. It's doesn't show oh, look up. At this. It's just the teams. It's just the it's hey, it's something I've brought up before. Okay. Well, it has get not- on with the tech team. See how that works out for you. Why don't you get down there? Why don't you get down there? Get into the get into the back end. Start working with code. Let's see how that how that. Goes. I wonder. I wonder if my. It seems like my feedback was dismissed. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Nobody I seemed think to. So. Uh, there's just some people sitting in a room somewhere, like, well, hey, they're not tweeting us about it. Who cares? Exactly. Who cares? By the way, GP's ranking of Duke Seven had Kyle Filipowski leaving. I was right. Wrong. So I've got to move is- him up. The question is yeah. how high? Because I've seen some preseason number one stuff too. And frankly, I don't get that. I can't. I mean, should Duke be in the conversation? Sure. With Filipowski back, I mean, Filipowski was a top three freshman and. As I tweeted earlier on Tuesday, whether it's first, second, or third team, he will be a preseason All-American at CBSSports.com. I can tell you, as long as he's still scheduled to be in uniform and on campus come October when we do that, there's really no argument against it because he was Duke's best player. We also have Jeremy Roach's declared for the draft, but he's not definitely gone. And whether he comes back is also a factor. We're, like In this thing right now, you have Roach coming back. I am projecting Filipowski, Jeremy Roach, Tyrese Proctor, Mark Mitchell, all back. Four players who averaged at least 9.1 points per game. They were the top four scorers on a team that finished 18th at Ken Palm and got a five seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, Yes, I have them with the top four scorers back and a top two recruiting class. I will get them in the top five. Yeah. I don't know how much higher... I go than that because it's like I've based on my projections, current projections. I have UConn returning five of the top six from the national championship team, and and we're going a five star prospect. I've got Purdue bringing back, I believe, the top seven scores from a team that got a one seed in the tournament. I've got Marquette bringing back everybody from a team that won the Big East Big East tournament and got a two seed and got just as far in the tournament as Duke did. Oh, by the way. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, listen, we might look up in December and it's crystal clear. Duke's the best team in the country, right? Yeah, sure. But based on current roster projections and for lack of a better word, paper, I, I don't know how you get Duke above those three. I think where I'm at is I probably That's get fine. Duke up to number four behind UConn, Purdue, and Marquette just ahead of Miami and Florida Atlantic. No argument from me there. And all that's reasonable. Um, Knowing full well that we'll look up in the middle of January and these things will be busted, which reminds me, and I don't have it still. I've been looking for it. I... Every offseason, I try and take stock of your of your 1.0 just to okay. see how much changes. You're already on 4.0. If you've got your original 1.0 edition, I need you to send it to me so I can go back to it at the next at the start of the next season. I cannot find the one from last offseason, but just to bring up mm-hmm. how much things have changed. If I can find it in the next few episodes later in April, I'll bring it up just to say, hey, look at how much things changed there. But heading in. Duke should be top five. I think that's fair. And yes, I'm seeing in the comments here, there is a, a plenty of, of Caden Shedrick noise, who was a good player at Virginia. I, I think he is now, if he goes to Duke and how he fits alongside them, I don't know. I think he's got real breakout potential, even if he's going to be somewhat limited defensively, man, he can be a real beast there. So if they also get Shedrick at that point and Roach returns, then we got a real conversation 
uh, overall with all that. But it, it, listen, it's a nice boon. By the way, this is now two bigs. You know, if we go off what Sam Bassini, Sam, we'll get to you if we can on this episode. But Sam had clinging first round. Filipowski definitely would have gone in the first round. Kind of refreshing. We got a couple of of well-known really, really good freshman bigs who have an NBA future. I mean, 99% confident both Donovan Klingon and Kyle Filipowski will ultimately both be picked and almost certainly will both be eventually first-round draft picks. They might even be, they'll probably be first-round draft picks in 2024. But nonetheless, that's a player at Duke and a player for the reigning national champion Blue Blood program, UConn Huskies, coming back to college basketball. That's a great thing. Yeah, and like I said, Filipowski was... And I agree with you. you know, he will be a, a preseason All-American. He was one of the best freshmen in the country. I think when we turned in our ballots for freshman of the year, I was one Brandon Miller, two Kyle Filipowski, three Grady Dick. So he's a terrific college basketball player. Um, his issue as an NBA prospect, which is among the reasons he's back, although I'm with he was going to be a first-round pick almost certainly. So he turned down, it appears, guaranteed money to come back to Duke. Worth noting, Duke – is a school that hired an NIL person. Uh, they're on He'll top of this. He'll be just fine. He'll be just fine. They're on top of this. Uh, I, I promise you, if he's leaving money on the table, it, it ain't. It, it's probably not a lot. Uh, he'll be. He's going to be able to pay his car note if he even has a car note. Probably has a free car in there somewhere. Um, he he's not a real rim protector, and he's not. A great three point shooter, although I think he does have three point shooting potential. I. I guess I was surprised when I looked this morning. What, what do you think he shot from three this season? I was surprised by this. Percentage-wise? Yeah. Because I, when I think of Kyle Filipowski, I think of a good shooter. What do you think he shot? Well, you're, you're leading the witness, so I'm going to say right. flip shot 26% from three. 28.2. It was okay. in the 20s. That's obviously not good. But you can see that. No, that's not good. It's not terrible. You can see the shot. He's got good release. And so we, he could turn that into 36% as a sophomore. I, wouldn't surprise I me at all. I, me neither. I, I, so... I hesitate to call him a good shooter because the percentage doesn't back that up, but he looks like he has shooting potential. Like he can be a reliably good three point shooter at six foot 11. Uh, the other stuff, you know, might not ever be there, uh, but he's an NBA player who will be in college basketball next season. And this is um, among the thing. This would be my last thing on this and we'll move on. It's among the, 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 the reasons I was always in favor of name, image and likeness rights. Um, even though it complicates the sport and some people are oddly bothered by it. Uh, the truth is it, it, it it's going to keep some people in school longer than they otherwise would be. I, I doubt, I don't know for sure. I doubt Cal Filipowski's back in school without name, image and likeness rights being a reality, but given that they are, he is definitely going to be back at Duke next season. And the blue devils uh, will start in the top five of the top 25 and one. And I guess that would make them my favorite to win the ACC um, just ahead of, of Miami. I'm looking at other ACC schools I have in the top 25 and one. It'll be Duke at four, Miami at five. And then, is that it? I think that's it. My only two ACC schools in the top 25 I'm and one. Looking, I'm looking right now. That really, I, I guess. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, that's all you have. And even though the ACC has been down, I just, are we, is that really going to be the case again? Like, are we going to get to the first, the final AP poll Monday after selection Sunday with only two ACC teams ranked? I mean, it's maybe possible. It's, it's, I mean, pro it's possible, but 
I mean, if you look at this season, they only had two schools finish in the top 25 at Ken Palm. Duke at 18, Miami at 24. And after that, it was Virginia at 34. So they only had two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They only had two in the top 30 at Ken Palm last season. And at least on paper right now, based on roster projections, it looks like uh, it'll probably be another down year for the ACC. And, uh, but possibly a breakthrough season for John Shire, who uh, will have in year two on paper a team that looks good enough to compete for the national title. It'll be interesting in the ACC next season, GP, because we got a few new coaching hires in that conference, don't we? Nice segue. This was supposed to be a coaching carousel podcast. 15 minutes into it, it's going to be. We'll get to that next, but uh, first, a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do averaging 29 and 11. God, shit. What'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. It's coaching carousel time. One of the interesting uh, things about the month of March is that there's a big basketball tournament they play. There's a huge one. There's two huge ones, but one in particular that we focus on. That's right. Yeah, they put 68 teams in it. A lot of people got to put 68 teams in the tournament, Gary. The thing a lot of people don't remember, um, you got to only four teams can make the final four, you know? Theoretically, only then only two can make the title game. Only one can win the whole thing. San Diego State played Florida Atlantic for the national title. I don't know if you realize that those teams played. What in the world? I know. What in the world? So these big coaching changes happen. Rick Pitino to St. John's, Ed Cooley to Georgetown, and we don't have a lot of time to spend. Cooley went to Georgetown. Oh, oh, that's why we're doing this episode. I'm trying. The episode is really just designed to catch Norlander up on what's been happening on the coaching. The one person who I assure you does not need to be caught up was the dude trying to file stories in the middle of the air, updating the coaching carousel, flying down to the final four. But yeah, so we don't we don't uh, we didn't we didn't talk about these things in any detail and we might not talk about them in any detail now, but but we're going to try to. Trivia yeah. time, Mr. Coaching Carousel Tracker. Oh. Boom. What do you got for me? How many Division One schools will have new coaches next season? Well, I update the tracker. I know. I just remembered I, that. <laughs> I so you are trivia timing the author of that post. I'm trivia timing literally something you wrote. Trivia time, GP. Okay. Who do you? Who is Gary Parish have as number one in his preseason? Yeah, that's what this is. Uh, Fifty five, I believe, 55. is the most recent number. Uh, as 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 of when I updated that puppy on like Sunday, is that correct? And I'm just trusting you on this. 51 of those 55 jobs have been filled. Yeah. So 15 percent of Division One jobs opened this 
either <laughs> season or time me on my own. <laughs> <laughs> I can make that a trend. I'm good with that. <laughs> I just start reading the first paragraph of your stories and then developing a trivia time. Let's see if, let's see if I can get him this time. That's trivia right. time. How do you spell Norlander? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So there have been many, but trivia time. Okay. You should get this. How many at the high major level? Oh, I don't. Come on, man. He's looking at he's looking. He's counting the names right now. No, I'm not counting anything. Okay. I'm, just, I'm just staring. <laughs> I'm just blank staring at my computer screen. Just, I'm not counting. The number is 11. 11 I will, is read, down, I I will read you down the 11. I think. Hold on. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. There's 11. In order. Texas hired Rodney Terry. Georgetown, Georgetown hired Ed Cooley. What? Syracuse promoted Adrian Autry. Providence plucked Kim English. Notre Dame made Micah Shrewsbury a made man. Texas Tech got Grant McClaslin. If I can do this with uh, with alliteration for everyone. St. John's reeled in Rick Pitino. Mm-hmm. Georgia Tech landed. No, that, it secured. It dabbled with and then eventually signed Damon Stoudemire. They dabbled with Damon Stoudemire. Mississippi controversially hired Chris Beard. Penn State. Um, made good with Mike Rhodes and Cal. It's another M. Damn it. Uh, Cal. I don't even know. Uh, Mad Dog Mark Madsen put pen to paper. Those are your 11 high majors. There's a few others outside that. Married. They married Mark Madsen. How about that? There was a marriage between Mark Madsen and Cal, not Stanford. So those are the high major ones. What do you got, GP? Well, so... We're obviously not going to go through every one of these, um, but I am interested. Yeah. What are the three hires in order that you would bet your 401k on? This is okay. going to work out fine. All this right. It's going to work well. Okay. Because what you had, sometimes we like to go into this blind, but for this particular one, Paris did say, um, have your three favorite hires ready. So what I have, I have three favorite hires and three hires most likely to be successful. Okay. Those are two different things. The ones that I, I'm not well, going to, my favorites are ones that I think are going to be successful. Well, I'm not going to rank Chris Beard as one of my three favorite hires. Okay. He is, uh, he is one of, yeah, he is going, he has to be in the list of the three most likely to be successful hires. That's fair. And, and I have them in no order, but I think that the three most likely to be successful are Grant McCaslin at Texas Tech, Rick Pitino at St. John's, and Chris Beard at Old Miss. I think when you look at that entire list, take everything into account and just say, who are the three coaches that are right now most likely to be successful, put themselves in the best position, however you want to define that. It springboards them to another job. They go to a Final Four. They have an amazing 10-plus year legacy at that school. Whatever it is, I think that McCaslin, Pitino, and Beard are the three names. Who are your names? And well, perhaps, uh, like, let's let's focus on Chris Beard for a second because it's a complicated thing to talk about, right? Um, don't ever forget that Texas said, and perhaps for contractual reasons, but still, put this in writing: uh, we believe you're unfit to be the head coach at the University of Texas. And just a few months later, Ole Miss said, "We believe you're fit by definition." to be the head coach at the University of, of Mississippi. I, I'm, if I'm being completely honest, I don't know what to do with this because I do think he deserved to lose his job at Texas. 
I do believe he crossed some lines on that night. The police report suggests as much. I'll never be somebody who just parrots. Well, the charges were dropped. Well, the charges were dropped does not mean that nothing happened, that nothing bad happened, that a fireable offense didn't happen. Um, so that complicates the whole story. Like I keep in mind, like my wife's an Ole Miss grad. Um, you know, I live, I'm surrounded. My whole street is Ole Miss grads and they're, I can just tell you they're fired up. My wife's not, my wife couldn't care less. I, I don't even think my wife knows who the head coach at Ole Miss is right now. But but like my friends who are Ole Miss grads who care about basketball or just care about the university in general, they are largely fired up. They're excited. Um, I, I don't want to speak out of both sides of my mouth. If I were Ole Miss, I don't know if I would have. I don't know that I would have done this. But now that they've done it, I do think it it probably works. Um, although there is a track record for super successful coaches at other places coming to the state of Mississippi and it not going so well, Ben Howland being a, a great example of that at, at Mississippi state. So again, I, I don't know that I would have done this if I were Ole Miss, but I also don't know what the proper price is for somebody to pay, you know, for, for the things that Chris allegedly did. He did lose his dream job and millions of dollars. Like he paid a significant price and not to mention have his reputation damaged possibly forever, um, certainly significantly. So I'm with you. I, I think it I think it probably works, but I would hesitate to put it on my list of favorite hires um, for the reasons that I think are are obvious. Yeah, um, we'll see how it goes. And there's a chance that it works. Ole Miss is a bottom three job in the SEC. Uh, this was Beard's best option. He did get right back in. We did get on a podcast multiple times throughout the season and thought that he would not be hireable so soon. Uh, in retrospect, you could say that was naive of us, and you might be correct, but also uh, the local DA office said, we are not moving forward in this case because we don't think we have enough. The, the, you know, Lawyers and prosecutors' offices and DA's offices, they move forward on cases that they think that they can win. And um, as... Truly ugly and appalling as that situation was, his fiance uh, did recant some parts of her statement, and uh, that was a major, major reason why the charge could not be pursued. And so it was dropped, and that allowed Old Miss to eventually hire Chris Beard. He is not. He had an introductory press conference, which that happened amid all the the crush of March. Didn't really get into too many details there. There was a. And apologies, I don't, I don't, uh, don't know the columnist off the top of my head. I don't have that in front of me. But he wrote a very good column on basically what still hasn't been said or admitted to, or um, really Beard not being as, if not forthcoming, uh, apologetic about the situation. So he, he's not out of that. He's not in the clear. And, for, and for many people, by the way, and understandably so, like. Uh, this this is him having this job and being in this position and being afforded opportunity and employment at a high major university uh, is is beyond the pale. And to those people that have that opinion, I hear you all the way. But nonetheless, he does have it now, and we'll we will see how he handles it moving forward. His credentials as a coach are undeniable. You saw what he did at Little Rock. He got into the tournament. They won a game. 
Then at Texas Tech, he takes them all the way to the title game. And at Texas, it was going in the right direction. It wasn't, you know, the major, major splash right away. But here we are. To listeners of the pod, uh, you know, we uh, there were a lot of people that reached out to us, be it the tweet machine or email or reviews or whatever. And I will, and I just can't say anecdotally for our audience, which, you know, I, sometimes GP likes to poke fun and I, and I get all that. Uh, we have a very passionate, intelligent audience when it comes to college sports, college basketball, a mature audience for the most part. And uh, I'll just say uh, with the beard stuff, this incensed a lot of people that, that intake college basketball stuff on a, on a weekly basis, off season, in season, all that. And I don't think that stuff just simply simmers and dies away. Uh, with all this, so we'll see how it goes. But him, Patino, and McCaslin are my three. Um, you have Beard on that list as well. Who are your other two? Well, I, let's. My other two, I think, are obvious, and I'm surprised you don't have one of them on there. My number one's Rick Patino at St. John's. Like, there's yeah, just, yeah. there's just no way I can he's, imagine. He's that getting it old, work. but it still has never happened where he hasn't been really, really awesome at the college level. He has to be on the list. You give Rick Patino New York City and a billionaire booster, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> like I'm, no. I'm ready to go. Like that, and like there's nothing in his track record as a college head coach that suggests this isn't going to work. He got Providence to the Final Four in year two, got Kentucky to the Elite Eight in his first year that UK was eligible for the NCAA tournament, which was technically year three, but they, they, that was the first year he was eligible to take Kentucky to the tournament. He took them to the Elite Eight. Got Louisville to the round of 32 in year two. Got Iona to the NCAA tournament in year one. So it's never taking him longer than his second year of eligibility to get his new school to the NCAA tournament. And I would predict that this will be similar. I, I think I right now St. John's is not my top 25 and one because I don't even know what the roster is going to look like. But I suspect by the opening day of the season, he'll have a roster combined with his track record that makes me go, yeah, that's one of the best 26 teams in the country. Yep. Ed Cooley's the other one. I I was going to say. I I mean, I just don't understand why anybody would think Ed Cooley's not going to work at Georgetown. He's coached in seven of the past nine NCAA tournaments at Providence, has finished top four in the Big East in eight of the past 10 years. And now, and I don't say this to be funny or take a shot or anything. I just say it because it's true. He now has a better job and a, a job that should be easier to recruit to. And um, a job that should be easier to to win big at, which is among the reasons he took the job. And I know yes. that was controversial when it went down. We didn't spend maybe any time on it at all. Um, but and I, I understand why Providence fans would be disappointed with Ed because like he's a you Providence. Putting it lightly, even I. Yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's not it just is, disappointed. Yeah. Like they have turned on him. It um, is. It is beard leaving Texas Tech for Texas yes. levels of, of hatred. Yes. 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 Um, and I get I get being disappointed. I guess I just stopped years ago questioning other people's career moves. I don't think it's my business to do it because you make career decisions. We all do um, based on things that are important to us, things that matter to our family. And this is one of those where as I grew older, I think I've had a more proper understanding of it um, because I have not made every career choice that would be obvious for other people to make. Um, but, but I, every time I've looked at options and, and, and talked with my family and decided, okay, this is what's best for us now. And sometimes I've turned down things one year and accepted them, you know, three years later. 
And again, the decisions I've made um, are not the same decisions everybody in my situation would make. And if you can look yourself in the mirror and accept that as, as truth, who am I to tell Ed Cooley what he should or should not do uh, as it pertains to his career? Like he has a contract. There are ways out of it. He exercised a way out of it and accepted an opportunity with a new employer. Like if you can ever take your uh, fandom and set it aside, that's all he did is he left one job for another job because he must have felt on some level it was best for him and his family or best for whatever his criteria was. So I just don't get worked up with that anymore um, uh, or bothered by it at all. These people all have jobs just like we have jobs. Their jobs are more high profile, um, often better paying, but they're just jobs. And, and, and I don't mean to strip it down and take all the emotion out of it, but I know it was hard for Ed to walk away from Providence, but he felt it was the right thing to do at that time. And so I don't get mad at him. I, uh, I wish him luck because I think he's one of the best coaches in college basketball. I, 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 I like him a lot on a personal level. And I think he's going to be great at Georgetown. I think Georgetown was smart to target him. And again, if I were him, I don't know if I would have wanted to do what he did because you do sacrifice something. You go from being able to walk around your hometown forever being loved to now you'll never be loved at that place again. I mean, never is a long time, but yeah, it's not looking good. It's not looking good. You sacrifice that. I don't know if I would have wanted to sacrifice that, but he wanted, but he was willing to do it. And I'm okay with that. I think he's going to be great at Georgetown. Uh, it is <laughs> fascinating to follow the Big East with these moves. You know, Kim English, it makes a big jump. You know, he, he's young. He's, what, 34? He goes up to replace Ed at Providence, and Ed goes down to D.C. Um, the reason why he's not on my list is Ed had it wired at Providence, not in terms of he could get any guy that he wanted, but you know, that truly has one of the elite practices. It has one of the best facilities in the entire country. Yes. Providence, uh, like top five. If you talk to the folks that have been to enough of these places and, you know, I may or may not be one of them, but certainly other people that, that travel all around and coaches that go through there, there's like it, they have a really, really great situation there with an intense, a local, but a just impassioned, out of its mind fan base, a top three one in the league, which Georgetown does not have. And Ed was able to really run that program and still have something of a comfortable life. That's not what this is now. And I'm not saying he can't do it. He is obviously willing to do it. He is wanting to do it. He's taken on the challenge. But Georgetown as an athletic department, talk to anyone around the league, had dysfunction there. It is a tougher, it is a better job. It is a tougher job. Ed Cooley is not in this for the next 15 years to be a head coach. How do I know that? He's literally told me on the record multiple times. Okay. He's going to, he's going to try and make a go of this for a good five to eight years. And if he does, he can be the savior to Georgetown basketball and what an incredible legacy that would be. And that's part of why he's doing this part of it. But it is a tough task. It is a tall ask. And, you know, Willard's doing just a fine job there in Maryland as well. That's a very competitive area. 
oh, by the way, you know, even though these programs aren't on the exact same level, you will have a, like VCU right now operates as a better program than Georgetown. That's not arguable. It's not in a better league, but it's not so it's, you know, it's a stone's throw from there. And they just hired a really, really good coach in Ryan Odom. We'll get to our best of the rest, if you will, outside the big six leagues in just a few minutes here. Grant McCaslin has always been good. Uh, his style isn't the most watchable, but made North Texas awesome year after year, particularly at that level. And I think he's most likely with the way that he coaches to be, I think he's more likely than Ed narrowly. So that's why I went McCaslin over Ed. Ed's going to have to put in the work. I think he will. But from a day-to-day, week-to-week process of what how Ed was living his life the past three or four years versus how he's going to need to do it at Georgetown, it's going to be a major step up. And so I just want to see it happen because Georgetown has never been worse as a program. Or at least it never, as of a month ago, it was at its absolute nadir in, in its existence. And so now Cooley has to lift it all the way back up. He's certainly good enough to do it. I just want to see him happen. So that's where I split the difference there, GP. Um, I, my, I guess my only thing on him as it pertains to, pertains to Grant or anybody else mm-hmm. um, or, or most anybody else, you're asking, like, I think Grant's going to be really good at Texas Tech, but you are asking him to operate in a, an incredibly tough league. And she has a, operated before, not as a head coach, but he knows of, the league. Of course, of course. Yeah. For people who don't know, he was on staff with Scott Drew at Baylor. Uh, Scott Drew has one of the great coaching trees now. Yes. <laughs> like he's got the Shaka, by the way Shaka also has a really good coaching tree as a, right. as a side note those are two guys that have really in the past few years branched out and they have a ton of former assistants who are now head coaches yeah my, my point is you're asking Grant to to upgrade leagues and go do it um at, at a place that doesn't really have a natural um you know I mean listen it's in the state of Texas I got it but like Texas is the king of of Texas um, Baylor's also there. It's just a, it's a, you're asking him to go into a league and as a head coach, win at a level he's never won at where, and he, I think he'll do it, but that's what you're asking with Ed. You're just saying, Hey man, you've been t- doing great in this league for a decade. Can you just keep being great in this exact same league? It just seems like a smoother, less complicated transition. Um, with Rick, you're you know, Patino at St. John. You're just asking him to win at, in, in a league he's already won in at, a, at, a, at the level at which he's already won. It, with Rick and Ed, you're not asking them to do anything they haven't done. With mm-hmm. most of the rest of these guys, you are asking them to do something they've never done. Some of them will do it. Some of them won't. But you're yeah. asking them to do something they've never done. Which is why Ed Cooley is in my three favorite hires. So it's a little bit different. This is in terms of fit how i think it's going to go how uh, how successful relative to expectations i think it's going to happen so the three most uh, the ones that i think you have to evaluate three most likely to be successful for me are patino beard and and mccaslin my three favorite are mccaslin because i think the fit with texas tech is perfect mccaslin had opportunities at at power conference jobs in recent years and he turned them all down this was the one that he finally he finally took Micah Shrewsbury at Notre Dame and then Cooley at Georgetown are my three favorites. Now, the reason why I'll be quick on this, the reason why McCaslin, I've kind of I've mentioned it all, but I just I think that the fit works. Uh, Texas Tech, which is in an intriguing spot in that shifting landscape of that conference. Um, I, th- I think that he will be good enough to keep Texas Tech anywhere from, you know, third to seventh most years that he's there. And that's simply that is good enough for Texas Tech. It should be look at the historical track record of that university. Cooley, part of it is just the chaos bomb he threw into the Big East and and the plot lines and, and all of everything that's surrounding him leaving Providence but staying in the Big East. But he goes down to Georgetown 
his bravado, his press conference. I did watch it uh, when he had it, you know, watched it uh, later that day was, you know, it was it was coolly at his best behind the mic. A uh, few dudes who are actually funnier and more self-deprecating in the profession than Ed Cooley. I think that he can do a very, very good job. I'm not convinced he's going to do the best job, but I do love the hire because of everything that surrounds it and the potential that can be there. And please, like, let us have Georgetown be interesting again. Coincidentally enough, by the way, Syracuse and Georgetown, not in the same conference anymore, but who would have ever thought that they would have been hunting for new coaches in the same year. One promoted from within, Red Autry gets to, gets to bump up after Bayheim retires, and then Cooley steps in, and he is the first. He, you know, Autry is, is in-house connected to Bayheim. Georgetown, for the first time in 50-plus years, uh, doesn't make a direct, you know, Cooley and John Thompson have a few threads that connect them, but he, he did not serve as a coach under John Thompson. He's not a direct uh, legacy hire in the same way, and so that's the first time we've seen that in five-plus decades. And then... Micah Shrewsbury, I think, has a wonderful chance to be if he wants this because he ha- it's one of those things where if he's awesome, awesome dude served on a staff at Brad Stevens. And it wouldn't surprise me if we looked up in five years and Micah Shrewsbury suddenly like an NBA candidate. He's got that vibe about him. But it would not surprise me if this really hits and this really works. If Notre Dame wound up hiring its head coach for the next 15 years. You know, it hired Mike Bray. That lasted more than two decades. The goal here for Jack Swarbrick is obviously to do that as well. This is the first hire he made. Swarbrick was not the AD when Micah got on there. So I think that is a wonderful fit. Almost the entirety of Shrewsbury's life, with the exception of running Penn State for the past few years, serving under Stevens in Boston when Stevens was the head coach there, almost almost everything else was living in, playing in, coaching in the state of Indiana. And so now he goes up to South Bend uh, it wasn't the noisiest, splashiest hire. It was a well-respected hire, uh, but there were some bigger names in this. It just wouldn't surprise me if that wound up working out uh, really, really, really well. Um, it's one of three ACC hires, just as a, a conference reset here from the high majors. ACC had three. Autry, Stoudemire, who GP knows, and then Shrewsbury. Big East had Cooley, Patino, English, Big 12 at two. McCaslin, Rodney Terry got bumped up after his Elite Eight push. And then the SEC, Big 10, and Pac-12 each had one apiece with Beards. Rhodes, who scooted up from VCU to Penn State. And then Mark Matt. And Rhodes has never been a bad head coach, by the way. So Penn State, you're affording a coach more money and opportunity and resources than ever. So we'll see if Rhodes can make it work. He's got a, he's got, he's got a nice head start. And then the fact that Mark Madsen got to Cal, I find to be riveting. Now, real quick on this, GP. Stanford decided to keep Jared Haas. Okay. But by all means, again, do what you need to do, but he's never made the tournament. Stanford is an irrelevant power conference program right now. And you cannot tell me that Stanford would not have put the premium on hiring Madsen this year. Like he did a really, really good job with Utah Valley, but that doesn't happen. Bernard Muir, the AD, decides to keep Haas for one more year. They got Harrison Ingram, you know, former five, another five, former five-star prospect. He's now transferring out. And man, oh man, who knows which ways these directions go, GP, but like this could really be an inflection point for Stanford and Cal. Like Cal is a worse job. There's no doubt about it. It's one of the worst power conference gigs out there. But Madsen takes it. And I was told that Mike Montgomery, who coached Madsen at Stanford and then obviously went on to later coach at Cal, was uh was a part of this as well and 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 definitely had a had an influential say in all the matter. So we've got uh we've got coaches going into enemy territory, so to speak, uh, in this cycle, which we don't often have. Sometimes we don't often have it, and I find that to be pretty intriguing. But that's your uh, your power conference wrap up of things. 
a couple things on the Mark Madsen to Cal thing. First off, I was surprised that Stanford kept Jared. And I don't say, you know, like I, I don't wish anybody like everybody has families and mortgages and stuff. Like I don't celebrate anybody getting fired. Um, but I thought he was probably about to. I mean, seven years, no NCAA tournaments, 59 and 72 in the Pac-12. I, I Again, I say this as respectfully as I can say it. I, If I were running that, I would have thought it's probably time for a change. If you hear Cal is probably going to try to hire one of your prominent alums, do, do, should that move you at all? Like if you're on the fence but leaning towards keeping Jared, but then you recognize – if if we don't make a move, Cal is going to hire one of our most famous alums, somebody we might have thought could be our next head coach. Does that make you? Mo- it would have. I think it might have made. Should, me but mo- I think it's just. I think it. I think Stanford is a different spot. I've been told it's way different from an NIL perspective as well. I'm just uh, speaking from as someone who just tries to track the stuff behind the scenes. It was considered better than 50-50 a year ago that Stanford would make a change. Then it didn't. And then, you know, if we did a temp check on Valentine's Day, it was like, yeah, 95-5, that job is going to open and Mark Madsen should be the one, the next one to get it. And then that didn't happen. And then they got knocked out of the Pac-12 tournament. I was sitting there with Borzello and we were eating pizza at one in the morning because it's 10 o'clock Pacific time. Reached out to... uh, the AD, I said, Hey, are you going, are you in fact going to keep Jared? He said, yes, that's the case. I was like, okay, here we go. So I, I hear you. Um, and again, I'm not rooting against one coach or another, but yes, yeah. the expectation was that they should have moved on and then they, they didn't. Now Cal's a tough job and that's, that's not, I mean, that's a Stanford. I still maintain is a better job than Cal, but South Bay, here he comes and he gets Fardaz Amac, which is a nice little get for him. They have a, they will reunite after they uh, were together at Utah Valley a couple of years ago. One last thing at the high major level, you mentioned it. Damon Stoudemire at Georgia Tech is another hire that I like. Um, you know, I've known Damon for a fairly long time at this point. He, uh, you know, since 2008 has been on a staff in some form. At the collegiate level, he's worked at Rice, University of Memphis, Arizona. He was the head coach at Pacific. Um, in the NBA, he's worked for the Grizzlies and the Celtics. And I know that he didn't like knock it out of the park at Pacific, but I mean, you talk about hard jobs. Yes. Um, he finished in the top five in the WCC in three of his final four seasons. Since he's left, he's been gone two years. Pacific has finished eighth and tied for sixth in the WCC. So they are 10 and 20 in the WCC since Damon left. And they were 30 and 33 in the WCC, just three games under 500 in his final four years at, at Pacific. And I, I guess what I like most about the hire is um, ha- having, what I remember thinking when I got to know Damon, when he, he worked in Memphis, was sometimes you have these perceptions of NBA players, former NBA players who, who were trying to get into college coaching, and you wonder if they understand the landscape understand, or if it's just a job. You know, do they have the pat? You know, they made millions of dollars. Do they have the passion like a normal assistant coach trying to climb the ladder, like fighting for his career? Uh, you know, and, and I just remember meeting Damon and and getting to know him and going, "Wow, this guy's sharp. Like he's a he's a sharp guy, like a smart guy, um, an impressive guy." 
And I didn't know that from a distance, but getting around him, just listening to the way he speaks, um, you know, being um, realizing how much he understood the jobs that he had. Like he came to the University of Memphis with very little on campus experience. And it was just he he understood the job that he had better than I think most new assistants understand the job he had. I was just really impressed with him right from the jump. And that, that, that was a little bit of an outside of the box hire for Georgia tech to go hire him off of the Celtic staff. But uh, Georgia Tech's a harder job. I think than people realize because they've had some little blips of big time success here and there. Yeah. But it's a harder job than people realize. Every time somebody gets that job, they go, well, if you can lock down Atlanta, then but nobody ever locks down Atlanta, right? The Georgia coach can't do it. The Georgia Tech coach can't I, do I it. I think with the only exception of DePaul, there isn't a harder job in a better recruiting area than Georgia Tech. That's and exactly- some of that's institutional stuff with, with guys needing, like when it comes to like guys have to be in class until I think the pandemic, Georgia Tech was the only high major that didn't even offer online classes as, as an option for players on scholarship, just stuff in the weeds there. And like, if you go look, is, yeah, is there, it, it, I think it, it, DePaul's the only one that's in a, in a great, one of the top eight to 10 recruiting areas in the country that might be in a worse spot because Georgia tech is right there in Atlanta. Theoretically it should do better than it does, but it's a, it's a very, very tough yeah. academic it, institution that plays a part of it. Yeah. Like at some point you just have to understand like the Georgia coach probably doesn't lock up Atlanta and the Georgia tech coach probably doesn't lock up Atlanta. Um, everybody recruits Atlanta, including Auburn, which is just like right there. So uh, it's if you like do this when you get bored one day, go look at like the last 30 years of Georgia Tech basketball, regardless of coach. I, I bet you it is worse than you think because they've had these because everybody remembers if you're old enough, the Marbury stuff. And then Paul Hewitt like bounced into a championship game one year. So you remember like Georgia Tech as a significant thing, but it's it's been bad more often than it's been good. Uh, so it's a it's a challenging job, but I like I would bet on Damon. I think he's going to be good there. I really like that hire. Uh, like if you would one of those that if you'd asked me in January who should Georgia Tech hire, I'd, I'd give you some names. I probably wouldn't have mentioned Damon because it wouldn't have popped into my head. But when I first heard him as a possibility there, I was like, ooh, I like that. I think he'll be good there. I, he's an I impressive guy. I do as well. Well, let's look at non uh, non big six ones. Here are the here here are to me the seven most notable non big six ones. All right, uh, Paul Mills goes to Wichita State. Adam Fisher, a Penn State assistant, winds up getting Temple. The Temple search was a disaster, but Fisher, we'll see, we'll see if it works. Tobin Anderson, the uh, the darling of the dance, went from coaching FDU after being a D two coach, coaching FDU for one year, and now he replaces Patino at Iona. Ross Hodge, who is who was regarded as among the top five assistants in all of college basketball, he will be promoted from within at North Texas, was the defensive mastermind of the mean green. Utah State plucks Montana State's Danny Sprinkle. So Mountain West job came open after Ryan Odom left for VCU. That's another one that uh, closed. And then Western Kentucky, Steve Lutz, who was who took Texas A&M Corpus Christi to two straight NCAA tournaments, previously an assistant at Creighton. And under Purdue, he was the first assistant to get in and watch Zach Eady. Uh, what's your favorite? And if yours could be outside of this group, but what's your what's your favorite non-Big Six hire, GP? I like the Tobin Anderson hire. Um, I like guys who show they can win at, at different levels. Um, you know, they, that guy just, by all accounts, is just a, a hell of a basketball coach. 
So I really like that one. I don't think he's someone, you know, he won at a significant level um, even before he got to division one. So I think, I think that's going to work. Um, I like John Gallagher at Manhattan. And that might just be personal bias. Like I love John Gallagher. I think everybody who knows John Gallagher loves John Gallagher. Uh, But I'm I'm glad to have him back in. Uh, You know, he was the coach at Hartford and they got, they did away with, uh, they were dropping out of division one and correct me if I'm wrong. He resigned on the opening day of the season. Is that right? It was either the opening day or the day before. Yeah, yeah. there was. Right yeah, there. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm glad he's back in. So I, I love I love John at, at, at Manhattan. Uh, Brooke Savage at East Tennessee State. You know, he's been I've known Brooke since he was. Yeah, if he was not a rom com guy, by the way, big time <laughs> hitch fan. Need to put that out there. And uh, like, he would be proud of me mentioning that huge, huge rom com guy. If I haven't known Brooke since he was a student or kid or teenager that feels like I have, right? He was at Tennessee with those guys. Um, he was at East Tennessee State with Steve Forbes. He followed Forbes to, to, to Wake Forest, and now he gets to go back to East Tennessee State to, to be the head coach there. He's a, he's a young guy, but another really sharp, impressive guy. Uh, I think he'll do good things there. And then uh, Amir Abdurrahim at, at South Florida is an, I mean, you look at what he did at Kennesaw State, how he turned that thing around. Who do you? Who do you? What's the and, acronym? Come on, Bone. No, yeah, well, Bone is the Bone is the acronym. What are the words? Build, organize. <laughs> Not to put it on the screen. Nutrition. No. Nourish. 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 Electrify. Build, organize, nourish, electrify, electrify, bone. bone. Thank you, Amir Abdur Rahim. By the way, a little inside. Like, I'm almost positive that was Ryan Odom's job if VCU didn't come open. Which isn't to say that Abdur Rahim didn't deserve the job. He he did, but this is how this works. Like. Sometimes a guy that gets the job is either second. Sometimes he's Mick Cronin was like the eighth guy for UCLA and shame on UCLA for taking that long to get to the best coach in program history. But sometimes that happens. And so Mike, Mike, this is really among many dominoes that are in play. If Micah Shrewsbury does not choose to take the Notre Dame job and stays at Penn state instead, Mike Rhodes doesn't leave VCU, which means that, I think Ryan Odom probably goes from Utah State to South Florida. That's not what happened. Amir Abdurrahim, a rising star in the profession, winds up getting USF, and we will see. That's an interesting job, GP. Uh, it's it's a bit lost at sea, but maybe he's the guy to to get it going and get some real momentum there. Yeah, like it was funny during the NCAA tournament. Like one night we had Amir in studio with us, CBS Sports Network, and like the next night we had uh, Mike Bray in studio with okay. us. <laughs> They were both going for the same job. And by the way, Bray was also rumored to be involved in that as well, but then that went a different direction. And then Odom was, yeah. Right. But um, Amir, like, also, like, I I hate to be repetitive, but like, just when you meet him, he's just an impressive guy. He's just sharp, smart. I I really like that hire. First, I was happy for him to get that opportunity. um, But I also, I, I, I thought it was smart by South Florida to go this direction. And that's not to be, uh, dismissive of any other candidate. I just, I'm a believer. Like I'd buy 
To quote my friend John Rothstein, I'd buy stock now in Amir Abdurrahim. You're I think late. Gonna be good you needed to buy it when he was at kind of saw hootie who. Here we go. I'm always uh, late. My favorite of the group is probably Ross Hodge. This is an assistant who didn't have any power conference position available to him because frankly the, the the defensive style that he employs like it, it probably wouldn't have been a philosophical match with some but like annually for like four or five years now has turned down power conference opportunities to be the lead assistant stuck with north texas waited it out and now he gets a chance that school is going into the american athletic conference there so i think he's got the best chance at continuing to be successful because he knows the players, knows the program, and now he just gets the he gets the promotion. Like, it should work. Crazy thing about Western Kentucky, I think Steve Lutz will do a good job. I don't know if I mentioned it on the show or not, but one of the more outrageous statistics, nuggets, if you will, is it just didn't work with Rick Stansberry, and that was a surprise. You know, there were there was occasional flashes of maybe this could work, but it just didn't. Rick Stansberry is the only coach in the 100-plus year, and it really doesn't count because they've only had a tournament since 39. But since 1939, every single other coach in the history of Western Kentucky had made the tournament, and Stansberry did not. He was the only one. Lutz will take the job. I think he will eventually get there. Now Western Kentucky is in a reformed CUSA. And by the way, hmm. I got something for you. Okay. Okay. See. The team that won can have <laughs> a lack of incentive to get going early. Um, now, if it were Western Kentucky against, uh, I don't know, Florida Atlantic, I would think that they'd sweep that two-game two uh, uh, schedule no problem. But when you get comparable teams, the team that lost game one seems to have an edge in game two so far this season. We've seen it over and over again. That is the great Gary Parrish just putting FAU six feet under. And yet, here we are. Shouts to Dusty May. As reported amid the Final Four, it became official over the weekend. Ten-year contract. The terms are not disclosed. I'm told it's well north of of a million dollars. Every assistant getting a significant pay hike. They have more than... They have more than 15 million available to all their facilities, but just in basketball alone, it's north of 10 million with donations. And frankly... That was what the AD Brian White told me the Thursday before the Final Four. If that number is above twenty million right now, it wouldn't surprise me. So renovations are some renovations are going to begin uh, later this spring. Then some more significant ones are happening this summer, and then even more into twenty four and twenty five and so on. So Dusty May gets his big payday, and so do so does the staff. And oh, by the way, so do the players as they should. They have uh, plenty of NIL opportunities that have been made available to them, as should happen. You make the Final Four, pay those men their money, and they will be paid, and they deserve to after what they did, and completely just, you know, they're dancing naked in the streets of Boca Raton, which is quite what? the vision, by the way, these days. But, uh, but Dusty May, on the, on the mid-major scale, if you will, among the other coaching news, didn't get a new job, said he wouldn't take a new job, and uh, he eventually will, if this goes the way that we expect it will. But... He's coming back. FAU will be a preseason top 10 team, and he just signed a 10-year deal. In fairness to me, that audio you heard was from the 2020-21 season. I was the sideline reporter from this studio. I was sitting literally right here as a sideline reporter. That's called full circle, baby. On a Conference USA game. And what I was explaining was CUSA that season – had started scheduling back-to-backs, and there had a, a trend had developed where when comparable teams were playing each other, the team that won the first game would lose the second, vice versa. That's what I was being asked about. That's what I was discussing. 
And I just randomly threw out Florida Atlantic as an example because FAU did finish 13 and 10 that season, 181st at Ken Palm. Do, do I wish I would have said Florida International? Yes, you do. Yes. Yes, I do. Do I wish I would have said Rice? Of course I do. But I happen to say Florida Atlantic and, and Dusty. Is, it's not Dusty. just that you said FAU. He Dusty May is a podcast listener. He's at some point, I have to believe, going to listen to this very segment right now. He's probably right. cracking up. He's probably riding his bike to or from work, getting a little pod listen on the way home. You set in motion the Final Four run of 2020. I'm responsible for Florida Atlantic's Final Four run. That's- I, I knew you were going to get NIL deal. Point, so I just, I might if as well. They just... got $15 million to throw around. Get me an NIL deal. Yeah. I don't think I get enough credit for what has happened at Florida Atlantic. You. Everybody's all like, Dusty May, Dusty May. He's great. What about me? Where would Dusty May be without me? Is that getting talked enough about? It's not getting talked about. I know that much. Before we get out of here, I researched what you asked me, so we have to do this. Well, I didn't, when I asked you, I didn't plan on the Cavender twins re- retiring from basketball or Cal Filipowski returning to Duke. Well, let's do it. You asked, and now let's even put one up. All right, so you asked. Oh, wow. I didn't go pull receipts like this. <laughs> I, got, I got one for you and one for me. Don't oh, worry. Okay. <laughs> okay. If you're not watching, um, Nada has a tweet from me from March 29th, 2019. It reads, Mark Fox has been hired at Cal per release. And I'm tweeting this four years ago. That's a good hire. I think it works out well for both parties. Hold on. Hold on. That is. Uh... That one's on me. I was yeah. wrong. Extremely wrong. However, before we get to GP's one, don't show it yet, Nada. GP was like, all right, let's go pick out pick out a past hire that you loved and it just didn't work out, and then pick out a hire you thought would bomb, but it worked. So the one that I thought would really work out was Chris Mack to Louisville. Mm, not quite, although I wouldn't say that bombed, particularly because there's no 2020 tournament, but it didn't go the way that I thought. And then the two that I thought would not work out, I thought that those these coaches would have four or five year ceilings at their at their gigs, but have proven me way wrong way often. Uh, I thought Jim Laranago would go to Miami and it would be there a few years, and then they would have a new coach. Nope. Now he's gonna, in my opinion, he's on his way to the Hall of Fame. It's just it's a matter of when, not if. And then, and you and I disagreed on this. You were right. I thought Andy Enfield would be just fine at USC, be there four to six years, and it would just be fine. Instead, um, I mean, Bronny James could be committing there at any day now. At this point, the expectation, Bronny, he's going to land. He's going to land. Bron James' son, USC, has been obviously very, very good. So those were two that I missed on. What about you? Well, I actually had in my list of ones I was right about, Andy Enfield at USC. Okay. Um, you asked for the ones we were wrong about. And then you're like, you know, while I'm at it, let me just. I just would no. rather talk about things I was right about, if you don't mind. Okay. Well, I had Ben Hallen not being good at Mississippi State, so I guess I'll, I'll just ride with that one. I had Ben Hallen being good at Mississippi State, yeah. and that didn't work out. Honestly, I thought Patrick Ewing would be okay at Georgetown. I did not think that would be a disaster. I believed in that. Um, 
I had Jawan Howard being good at Michigan, and I think that's mostly true. I think we're still we're still yeah. There. I think it's mostly true. Um, like I, I'd rather not admit this, but I I think I think I ultimately fell on the side of Billy Gillespie will be fine at Kentucky. I think I, I think I got I eventually got there, and then I went to Big Blue Badness, his first. And it was so obvious to me that he was uncomfortable. I remember hearing the stories about how out of place he looked. Like it once, just, it, once he, it was he, there, it's like, uh. once the lights came on, he looked very uncomfortable in a way that, you know, like literally the opposite of John Calipari. Like once the lights came on for John, it was like he, he's comfortable in the lights. He, he'd be uncomfortable without them. Um, but but Billy seemed very uncomfortable. And then that thing just went the wrong direction in a variety of ways. I believed in Eric Musselman at Arkansas. I believed in Dan Hurley at UConn, but I think okay. everybody uh, I might have to pull this receipt here. This is this is this is too much. You, uh, anyone that you things up? No, I tell you what, you were you were hey, look at this one. I thought about this. I thought about this. All right, April 21st, 2014, Gary Parrish. I, I thought about this one. Quote. Oh yeah, you thought about it. You weren't going to bring it up, but I got you. Like I said when Arizona got Sean Miller, Tennessee will eventually be glad that it stumbled into this hire. Donnie Tyndall is a great fit. I submit Donnie Tyndall would have been fine if he wouldn't have broke a million rules at Southern Miss. No, not how this works. Not how this works. You take the whole kit and caboodle. God. 168 retweets on that bad boy, by the way. He lasted one year at Tennessee. One year. Yeah, that's got to be the one for me. That's among the biggest misses. I will say, you talked about in the pod in the past, you were wrong about something that you are now right about, but the schools got mixed up. Same coach. You did not like Fred Hoiberg to Iowa State. I was wrong. But in Nebraska, it's kind of going that way. <laughs> so, you know, and we'll see if they can turn it around. But that you were down on Hoiberg, and then that actually wound up getting him the Chicago Bulls job. And now here he is in Nebraska, and we'll see if they can uh, get it going. Fred's another one that I I questioned the hire at the time. I didn't know him at all at the time. I subsequently got to know him, be around him. Another guy, really impressive. Once I met him, I was like, this might really work. Um, but at the time, I was like, you're just going to go hire your famous alum who's never coached? I don't know if that'll work. Now everybody does it. That's <laughs> <laughs> the way. Now, now it's that's the way. way. Now, now it is the way. Yes. Uh, but that's the coaching carousel wrap up. You know, I know we spent more attention on some coaches versus others, but we can't listen. We gave you back to back pods in the off season, an what? hour plus. What else do you want from us? I hope not another episode tomorrow. The only thing we didn't touch on is Parrish hates, and I mean hates the Kim English hire. Doesn't think it's going to work. What? No, no, no. I love Kim English. You kidding me? Everybody loves Who doesn't love Kim English? I think I think you texted. I give it three years max. I would, you you will never be able to prove that text <laughs> message. The only the only text message about Kim English in my phone to anybody is probably to him saying congratulations. I'm happy for you. Uh no no. Hey, listen, we got a good variety of of hirings at the high major level. Again, trivia time. How many? How many? Fifty five. Well, 11 at the high major level. 55 high major changes. Well, that might take more than a single 65-minute episode. We'd be really in for it. Uh, it wouldn't be a good sign for the sport if we had 55 high major changes. 55 overall, 11 at the high major 
level. And uh, and there we have it. I'm going. I'm gonna do a little mini family vacay. You good to uh, hold this ship down if Ronnie James commits to USC in 48 hours or something like that? I think I can do it. Okay. I think I'm equipped to do it. By the way, we're off season. You, know, you could listen. Dress the way you please, but I kind of liked you in the hoodie look. You're going blazer every episode now. I, I've been having to shoot promo videos and stuff, so uh, I, have, I have them all. I just have them around anyway. That's true. And then then I have to I have to reach because I have to get into my closet situation. But I keep my suits upstairs in my office closet, and like there are all the other all the other yeah yeah. I keep mine in a proper closet. I don't have a closet up here. Okay, I don't have an extra room to store all my jackets and blazers. But anyway, continue. So I um so I reach a decision. Like you know me, I'm always last minute to get in front of this uh camera for this podcast. So I have to make a decision. Because I wear these little white. I wear this is. I wear this every day. Like you will. I wear white t-shirts every you day. You shower with it on. I know. You shower yeah. with your t-shirt. Yeah. So then I have to make a decision. Do I want to go downstairs and get a hoodie or a different t-shirt, or do I just want to reach into this closet that's right beside me and grab a, a jacket and put it on? And I, the easier move is just put on a jacket. So here I am. There you are. See my muscles. Okay. <laughs> it's time. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening or watching the Island College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere. Subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify at Apple. Five stars, nice review. Type words. There's more of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected in the comments. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do that while you're here. And we will talk to you again at some point, probably when breaking news requires it. Till then, take care. Thank you.